Welcome to Questions About Heaven, a podcast about giving Bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with God. Each week we seek to answer real-life questions with biblical answers about the life beyond this world. Now, here's your host, Brad Zockel. And a wonderful day to you. This is Brad Zocco, and you are listening to the Questions About Heaven podcast. It is a wonderful December 11th. Is it amazing to realize that we are only two weeks away from Christmas Day? Wonderful time of friends and family, of gifting, receiving, feasting, celebrating, storytelling, and just a lot of love within the household. And I can't help but think of this as a parallel to the joy. The Holy Spirit, as we know, as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and it tells us uh, in there that we have just a wonderful home prepared for us by the Lord when we are absent from this body. But we also know 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses uh, verses 9 and 10, that even though it's beyond our imagination what God has prepared for those who love him, The Holy Spirit just gives us handfuls of heaven, I like to say, hints and bits of uh, a little bit of sliver of uh, the wonder and the glory and the fun of heaven. And I think that Christmas is one of those times that we get to enjoy that time together. We're talking about Jesus, and, and to the believer, it's so much more than just saying that Jesus is just, well, he's just a nice person that allows us uh, to be with him, and we're going to stroll around with him, but be honest with you, we'll probably get tired of him, and uh, just as long as we are happy. And there are many people that just don't have the grasp of how wonderful this Lord is. Do we just keep him to this name? No, not at all. Look through the scriptures, and we're going to see the different names that give us an idea. Just as you, you know, if I were to come to your home, you might be known as neighbor, but also as dad or uncle, or grandpa, or friend. Uh, You are a a fellow Christian, a fellow believer. Uh, There are so many things. Maybe some of you are a boss, uh, something like this. Or you're known as mom, or grandma, sister. There are so many different names, and you might be an expert in your field, and you're treated with high respect. Maybe you've earned a title of honor, uh, that you know, a doctorate, or something like that and which you are given, or mayor, or, or something. You have so many different names and so many different titles in which people can identify you. Well, this would be Jesus. We just kind of leave him alone, you know, and just say, well, he died on the cross, and he made a way for us, and thank you so much. Kind of like we think of Jesus as just a very, very nice celestial bridge, and that's about it. And then we forget that, you know, it tells us in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8 that he is the Alpha and the Omega, He's the Almighty, it says in the very same verse. This is one who made our salvation possible, made creation possible. Nothing was made outside of Jesus. He had made everything being that one. John 1 and 1, uh, verse 1, as we continue through verse 4, the Word was in the beginning with God because the Word was God. This is the name for Jesus as well. We think of him not only as the Alpha and the Omega, but he's also there for daily sustenance and indeed for our life. He's the bread of life, the bread from heaven, it says in John six thirty two, But also he says, I am that bread, the living bread, which sustains us by each day. We look to him for strength. But Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10, he's the captain 
of our salvation. Did you know that's a name for him? That phrase is a name for him. He's the captain of our salvation. We didn't earn it on our own. He is that captain. And it also bears in mind he's the deliverer. Romans chapter 11 and verse 26. He is the deliverer. He's the everlasting father. Isaiah 9, 6, the first and the last. It's repeated. The Alpha and the Omega is also the first and last. It's repeated in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 17. And I love this. Isaiah 40 and verse 5. He is the glory of the Lord. He's also known as our Passover. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. He is obviously the Messiah, the Prince. We read about that back in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 25. And of course, we've talked about this. There is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy 2.5 tells us that he indeed is the mediator between us, the go-between, and handles the sin that God the Father cannot see. He is then the Lord of our righteousness, Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 6. He is the King of Kings, Revelation chapter 15 and verse 3. All these names are for Jesus, the great I Am, as he says in John 8, 58, which just caused a riot among the people to equate himself with God. He is the just one. He is Acts chapter 7 and verse 52 tells us he is indeed the one that is just, the just. And then we also are reminded he's the great high priest. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. He is the great and high priest. Now the reason I give you these names and I share these with you is because I want to take this time as we look at the uh, the Christmas story and we've been going down through the Advent all the way down, and we will continue to go down through up till Christmas Eve in sharing these truths. But as I take a look at them, I want to bring this to you because this has happened a number of times. There have been people that have given me either a, a comment on one of the social media in which I teach, or else they've sent me an email and uh, maybe direct message through something. And there has been uh, maybe a question about what do I get in heaven or what's going to happen? And then I will turn around and ask them, well, tell me about your decision to follow Jesus. Tell me about the time that you gave Jesus everything, including your sins, and you've repented and you've walked to them. And it is an inordinate amount of time, uh, times that uh, I will have somebody say, well, no, I haven't done that. You know, what's, what's with that? Why would I do that? Or somebody says, yeah, well, you know, I really haven't gotten around to it. So I want to take this time. If we're talking about this, I want you to think about this. I'm going to come to your home on Christmas, and I'm going to just barge in. You've never seen me. You don't know me. And as I walk in, or maybe through the podcasting, you've been hearing me. But I show up, and you're kind of like, well, you know, hey. And then I walk in, and I start choosing presents from under the tree. They have other people's names on them. And then I go over and help myself to the little Christmas buffet that you have set for the family. Everybody is just pretty much stunned. And I go about, and I pick up some ornaments, and I head to the car. And then uh, someone comes over, and you're going to restrain me. You, you can't do this. And I say, listen, you know, back in South Carolina... I'm a law-abiding citizen. I've not received a ticket, and I don't know when, for speeding. Uh, I'm very good uh, to animals. I don't kick cats or try to, you know, uh, throw rocks at stray dogs. 
Um, I speak well of people. I'm very polite. I let people go in front of the line at me at Walmart or Aldi. And so, well, what's your problem, you know? And, and, and because of that, I'm a very nice person. As a matter of fact, I've spoken well of your town. I like your town. You know, as I came in, I stopped at the gas station, and I said, I really think this is a pretty town. So what, what are you doing? You know, why are you trying to stop me? And what will you say? You'll say, I never knew you. I'm sorry, I just don't know you. And within that, there is a, there, there's a very clear scriptural principle here. There are so many people that say, well, I know God. You know, a fellow told me, he says, I, I know God. I, I, I have a, a knowledge of God, and I know there is a God. And then he went on, I said, whoa, 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 we've got to stop right here. Because he was becoming very, very overly emotive in, in what he demanded to have from heaven. I said, you've never made one call at all that you want to, that you've given your life over to Jesus Christ. I said, I think I need you to know something that's very, very important here. In here. This is when I'm taking a look at the, the, the truths of what we find in the scriptures. I think maybe you better need to look at uh, Matthew chapter 7. And whenever I gave this to the person, there was no more conversation. Now, let me explain this. I think for my friends right now, there are people that maybe come with itching ears to the Heaven Tour uh, website, or they're listening on uh, TikTok or YouTube mornings. They're saying, boy, this sounds nice. How have I got? And you're not listening, as we see, to the fact that Matthew chapter 7 is very clear. We just don't, I mean, down the road, when we lived in Tennessee, there's a place called Dollywood. All right, really nice place. And families go there. Well, you just don't walk on in and you think you have a free ride without paying anything, without any, any restrictions whatsoever. Even in the secular world, you don't do this. And we get up in arms and we see people walking into a supermarket on these clips on YouTube and such. And people just walking out without things. And we're saying, why aren't they restrained? Because you just don't, you, you just can't assume that you have the right to walk around autonomously and do things. Like you could walk into the amusement park and just barge through the turnstile and just start picking up all of the chocolates and riding all the rides with no payment whatsoever. Even on something like that, you say, you just can't do that. And I think about this when we're going into Matthew chapter 7 and we're talking about responsibilities. I'm going to remind you, even in the secular world, this is not, you know, you just don't walk into the military and want honors. It's called stolen valor, all right? You can't assume a place in a position of government not having the education or the vote. Oh, that's fraud. You see, in all, even in the balance in sinful mankind, we say, there has to be a justice here. Why would we think that God's going to just turn his eye against us, uh, uh, away from us, uh, and this demand? Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, is a very, very important one that I want to share with you. And my friend, if you're under the assumption right now that God just allows anybody, regardless of their life and their attitude and their relationship to him, you need to see this. Because here's what I want to share with you. The responsibility within your life to understand these eternal rewards come with <laughs> rules, stipulations. Let me explain. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23 there are people that are going to, in judgment, look at the Lord and say, Lord, Lord, why are you, 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 look, Lord, why are you trying to restrain me? Haven't we spoke well of you? Haven't we done churchy things? Haven't we prophesied in your name? In other words, taught in your name. 
And then he says, I don't know you. I mean, I don't, I don't know you. you. You are assuming that you can go about and then do things, but we've never had a relationship. I think of this in the cross-reference in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? I have had numerous times that there are people who want to engage in conversation and even debate. And when I've checked their profile, whatever social medium I would be looking at, I find horrible things. I, I see narcissistic things. I see pornographic things. Numerous times, oh, I don't embellish at all. People that use incredibly coarse language and filthy things and show disrespect and things that you know very clearly in the Bible, this is not the fruit of the Spirit. And yet they're kind of like, well, look, God owes me. You know, I can call him Lord, and he's got to take me into heaven. Well, let's look at Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? Luke 13, verse 26 and 27. Well, wait a minute, Lord. Haven't we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets? In other words, we were around your culture, your community. That's good enough. Friends, osmosis does not get you salvation. You must make a personal decision. And in that decision, this must be a confession, not only of your mouth, but of your life. You are going to turn from the way that was away from the Lord, and you're going to turn toward the Lord. Let me give you another illustration on this, and just in the secular sense. I used to live in Hershey, Pennsylvania in my childhood. Beautiful, beautiful town. All right, I really, really enjoyed uh, living there at the time. And in there, we lived outside of town, and then every year our elementary school would be taken on a field trip. It's the same field trip every year, and we loved it, absolutely loved it. They take us to the Hershey factory. Now, this is the 1960s, and now, of course, you can't go through the factory. Health laws and everything were stiffened, and now it's through uh, uh, an ancillary uh, type of visit, visit called Chocolate World. But many of you older ones remember this if you lived in the Pennsylvania area. We went through the factory itself. We saw the conching machines, and you'll know what I'm talking about. Some of uh, my friends from Pennsylvania, the large, uh, large swimming pool type apparatus of thigh deep chocolate, liquid chocolate, being pushed back and forth to smooth it out, and going through the different uh, oven areas and the Hershey Kiss machine, and you're absolutely slathering, wanting to get some chocolate there going through. Okay, so now I want to give you this illustration here, knowing that, the factory. I walk in this week to the factory, and I barge through there past the security, and they are shocked at my arrogance. And I walk over, and then I stick my mouth under one of the syrup machines, and I start gulping in. I start packing my pockets. I'll take some of these Reese's. And then I start gesturing to people, I want some of the almond bars over here in this box, and let's make it fast, okay? I'm moving into town, uh, and, and I'd like this. As a matter of fact, why bother moving into a place? I'll take that room over there as an apartment. This place is mine. I'd like the, the Hershey Kiss machine. I'm scraping them over here. And I, 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 I tap an executive, a, a stunned executive, and I say, I want the keys to that car in the parking lot there. That matches it. And I'd like to make sure that it's filled with gas. Now, as security on its way, what are people going to say? The CEO standing there, can you tell me what you're up to? And I say, listen, I'm a well-liked person in my community. I obey the laws. I get along with everybody. I watch my mouth. I am respectful to my elders. Few there may be. I'm 64 years old. Uh, and and I'm, I'm polite to uh, families. 
I let people step in front of my in my line whenever I'm going shopping and, and everything. No one, you know, uh, will say anything. And I have always spoken of Hershey. When we have something in our house that includes candy, it is always going to be Reese's Cups, Hershey Kisses, uh, the Hershey bars are always there. I speak well. I won't go for these Nestle products or that Toblerone stuff. It's going to be Hershey. I always speak well of you. You'd never know anybody that would think that I had anything bad uh, in, in my talk. And the CEO and the others around say, but we don't know you. Why would you assume that you can take ownership just by actions of which we're unfamiliar? Are you getting this? And maybe you're watching or listening to this right now in the podcast. And you're under the assumption that God is at the end of your life saying, well, you know, you've kind of had a very busy 80 plus years and um, this has been something else. Well, yeah, yeah, go on in. Oh, you've been bad here and there, but you know something, I'll let it go. Have you any idea of reading Matthew chapter 13, in which it says there are people that were very much awash in the word of God, the parable of the sower. Some took the word and they lost interest in it. Some, when the first challenge came along, they walked away from it. And if you follow the mathematical principle of Matthew 13, only one out of every four who is handling the word of God, or may I say this, and I don't think that I'm taking it too far, of course, one out of every four people who really claims to be a Christian is a Christian. This is a very low percentage. And when I was teaching in Christian uh, school, in, in academy, before I went on to teach in college, uh, the, uh, I, I took would take an anonymous survey, and I said, you will, this is anonymous, I will not come back and track you down. But I asked my students, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Are you fully assured you're going to heaven? Have you given your life over to Jesus? And fully 50% would say no in the anonymous survey. This is a Christian school. Only about 20% said they're actively going to a church. All right, this is an anonymity. And I realized something. A lot of them just felt, well, Christian school's good enough, but I don't need to make a personal decision. And maybe that's the same way here. Friend, I want to tell you, one of the most important things, it would make no more sense for God to automatically say, well, you have lived a life that was totally selfish, but you know I have to let you in any more than you would allow me to barge in on Christmas Eve and take all your presents. Go Grinch on you. You'd say, but I don't know you. What, what are you doing? Oh, I was polite about it as I was trying to stack the back of my Honda CRV. But this, this doesn't work. It doesn't work in a secular language, in a secular world. Why would we think it would work here? Friends, Acts 4.12, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. May we share this. If you are a believer, would you share this with those that are around you who might have the assumption that everybody makes it? No, this isn't universalist. Doesn't make any sense in the secular or sacred world. Jesus Christ, John 14, 6 says, I am the way, singular. No man comes to the Father but by me, all right? And then reminding in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, man is appointed once to die and after this the judgment so if there was a universalist approach, why is that even in the Bible? These are things I want you to consider, pray about. In this Christmas season, it behooves us as Christians to be a, a witness to those and not assume everybody around uh, in, in our area is just a nice enough person to make it to heaven and then giving them that universalistic appeal. 
if you are listening to this right now and have the assumption that God is obligated to allow you in, rewind this and listen to these verses. Look them up so you know it's not of an opinion. This is the word of God. I say this because I'm concerned for you. I really am for many of my good friends here. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate the time we're together. And I'll just leave it at this as we continue our Christmas countdown. I think that when we talk about the gifting of Christmas, the gift of salvation should not be misunderstood. And these scriptures will help you. Thank you so much. God bless you. And Lord willing, we'll talk soon. In order for the Heaven Tour to continue fulfilling our mission, we humbly ask for your support. Your generosity allows us to continue to proclaim and explain the biblical truth of heaven and to mentor many. All eligible donations are tax deductible, so please prayerfully consider an end of year gift. You can send your gift to the Heaven Tour, P.O. Box 795 Pickens, South Carolina 29671. Thank you and have a blessed Thanksgiving.